Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for May 10th is another collection of Psalms. It is Psalm 50, 53, 60, and 75. Psalm 50 was written by Asaph. Asaph. He's contending for my favorite psalmist. I, I love the way he uses his artistic ability to describe, to give us a word picture of the mightiness of the God we worship. Listen to this in Psalm 50, verse 3. Our God is coming. He will not be silent. Devouring fire precedes him, and a storm rages around him. He summons heaven and earth in order to judge his people. Gather my, gather my faithful ones to me, those who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Did you know it is a sacrifice to follow God? To not get it our way? To not be able to do the things that we want? I mean, this is the upside down kingdom. We do what he wants in order to get what we really want that we don't even know we want. It's the way it works in the kingdom. But it's not as if we get to just ask Jesus into our heart so that we get to go to heaven someday and then live how we want the rest of our days. No, it doesn't work that way, friends. In fact, asking Jesus into your heart is nowhere to be found in the scriptures. I don't know that they said it anywhere until the last 50 or so years. Maybe they did. I don't know. There was never an altar call in a church service until maybe the last 100, 150 years. But the Acts 2 model is pretty powerful. You see a move of the Holy Spirit. People are cut to the heart and they say, what do we need to do to be saved? And then the preacher, Peter, says, repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.38. Psalm 53, a portrait of sinners is the title in my Bible. Now, you've probably heard this one if you've ever spoken with a Calvinist or studied Calvinism or Reformed theology. John Calvin wrote in defending faith and pointing out some of the errors he was seeing in other uh, people's teachings. And he came up with five points that are widely considered the five points of Calvinism or Reformed theology. Now, it's debatable whether or not John Calvin himself was a Calvinist. He gets a lot of undue credit, I think. But he was a scholar, and he was definitely somebody who seemed to really genuinely love God and spent a lot of time studying, devouring the scriptures. The five points of Calvinism begin with the total depravity of mankind, meaning we are so sinful and rotten to the core that we would never, ever, ever choose God. But it's only by God's unconditional election, the limited atonement of Christ, not limited in its power, but limited in the scope, that Jesus didn't pay for the sins of those who would not believe in him. The irresistible grace, in other words, the only reason 
people are enlightened to the gospel is because the power, the beauty, the love of the gospel is so wonderful, we cannot resist it. And then, of course, the last point is the perseverance of the saints. In other words, sometimes called once saved, always saved. If you come to a true knowledge, you must never fall away. You can't fall away. If you fall away, you were never truly saved. A Calvinist or a Lutheran might say. Well, didn't mean to go in all that, but nevertheless, <laughs> Psalm 53 definitely speaks to the total depravity of mankind. All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt, referring to all people. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul quotes this in Romans. We, my friends, are utterly sinful. And even when we do nice things, it's because we have selfish motives. And that's why Isaiah says, even our righteous acts are like filthy rags compared to God's righteousness. Psalm 60, a prayer in difficult times. God, you have rejected us. You have broken us down because of our sin, because of whatever. We're going through this terrible time. But our only hope is to appeal to you, God. And the question arises again, why? Why, God, do you allow us to go through these? Why do you appoint us, the Bible seems to clearly indicate here that you've rejected us, that you've appointed us toward these terrible, difficult times. Why? And all I can say is that if we knew the end from the beginning, we would never have the need for faith. If we never went through hard times, we would never truly appreciate what we gain. Have you ever noticed how people who, generally people who are handed everything, never really truly appreciate? Remember driving my dad's car when I was 16 years old, spinning the tires? <laughs> Taking corners too fast? I didn't treat it very well because I didn't work for it and I was quite irresponsible. But when I started paying for tires and rebuilding clutches and paying my own car insurance, I learned the hard way to have some self-control. When I work hard and I pay for my car and I have a nice car, I'm grateful for it. If I hadn't had to work for it, I don't know that I would truly appreciate it. Can you relate to that? Psalm 75 is about how God judges the wicked. We give thanks to you, God. We give thanks to you for your name is near. What does that mean to you that God's name is near? Verse 8 says, there is a cup in Yahweh's hand full of wine blended with spices and he pours from it. All the wicked of the earth will drink. 
draining it to the dregs. My friends, if you think you might be wicked in God's eyes, repent. Claim the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. If you have repented, you don't struggle with the same sins that you used to, and you have claimed the blood of Christ, then the good news is there is now, therefore, no condemnation for you, for me, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit, because he has paid the ultimate price. He has purchased us back from our enemy, the enemy of our souls, the God of this world, Satan, the accuser, who hates us. What an amazing, forgiving God we serve. I was once counted among the wicked by God's grace. I am no more. There's hope for me, my friends, trust me. There's hope for you and everyone you know. God bless you. See you tomorrow.